show is for educational purpose and should not be taken as medical advice. Welcome to Let's Talk About Medical Cannabis with Dr. O, a clinical pharmacist certified in medical cannabis. You'll learn about alternative ways to improve your health and well-being using the healing power of botanicals such as cannabinoids. Here's your host, Lola Ahanba. Hey guys, welcome to another episode of Let's Talk About Medical Cannabis with Dr. O. I'm your host, Dr. Lola Ohamba. I'm the CEO and founder of WCI Health, your alternative health and wellness store. At WCI Health, we help people get and stay well using the healing powers of a botanical. On today's show, we will be looking at the role of cannabinoid in the management of diabetes. But before we go into today's show, allow me to do a basic, a regular house cleaning. This show is for educational purposes only and should not be taken as medical advice. For all your medical needs, please do reach out to your healthcare provider. Uh, Over-the-counter supplements, including cannabinoid products, are not FDA approved. Uh, and we are not claiming uh, that cannabinoids or supplements cure, treat, or heal any diseases. Okay, before we go, I'd like to say thank you to our sponsors. Uh, all of you that have joined our Patreon group, I would like to say thank you. If you are yet to join and you would like to support this show, you'd like to donate, go straight to our website, wci-health.com. You will see a sponsor button where you can subscribe to our Patreon group. Today's show is sponsored by WCI Health, your alternative health and wellness store. For all your high-quality hemp-derived products, head straight to wci-health.com. And today's feature product is called Glow's Pet Shampoo. Glow's Pet Shampoo is the feature product for today. So for all your pets, do pick up a bottle of Glow's Pet Conditioning Shampoo. Basically, you are getting a price of two for one. It's a conditioner. At the same time, it's also a shampoo. And also, if you are yet to pick up my book, Cannabis Pharmacist Guide to Cannabis, Perspectives of a Non-Conforming Clinician, please pick up a copy on Amazon. It comes in Kindle version. It also comes as a paperback. Or you can also pick it up on Etsy on a Glow's Beauty shop. Glow's Beauty on Etsy, you will be able to get a copy of a Pharmacist Guide to Cannabis, Perspectives of a Non-Conforming Clinician. And also, the book is available on our website, wci-health.com. Basically, the book is a basic guide to cannabis. All the, what you need to know, your basic is kind of a reference guide. Very simple to understand with very limited medical jargons. You can finish it within an hour, two hours, and you still have all your information. These days, nobody want to be carrying around an encyclopedia. We are all too busy. So you want to grab the information you you need get it straight to the point and that is what your book pharmacist guide to cannabis perspective or non-conforming clinician that is what it does for you so like i said on today's show we will be looking at the role of cannabinoid in the management of diabetes so what is diabetes how can we detect it how do we know what's going on 
Basically, diabetes is made up of group of diseases that affect how our body uses glucose. It's not just using glucose, it also affects how our body uh, process protein and also fat. Glucose is a major energy that the body uses. The brain uses energy in form of glucose. And when our body does not have enough glucose, we can have uh, what we call hypoglycemia, basically low levels of sugar. When our body has too many glucose, we have what we call hyperglycemia. And then when the glucose level in the body is not controlled, it may lead to other major complications. So how do we manage glucose? Basically, insulin is the hormones in our body that is produced in the liver. And this is the hormone that helps in the management of glucose. Basically, it helps the liver to take in the glucose and convert the glucose into fat or energy that the body needs. And whenever the body does not have enough glucose, the liver also releases the stored glucose that was stored in form of energy, it releases it back into our body to use. So like I said, glucose is very essential to human health and we all need this for the energy. What are the causes of diabetes? Diabetes means when there is excessive glucose more than the, what the body needs. If the body is not able to effectively store the glucose in form of energy, then it starts accumulating in the bloodstream. So when we have excess glucose in our bloodstream, that's when we say we have diabetes. What are the types of diabetes that we have? We have the type 1 diabetes. And this type of diabetes is mostly common in younger children, in younger adults. It does not depend on food. This is as a result of not enough insulin is being produced by the particular person. So basically, for individuals that are suffering from type 1 diabetes, the insulin is not produced in the quantity that individual needs. So basically, this does not depend on food. And most of the time, when you see people that have type 1 diabetes, they are not big because we tend to say, okay, people that have diabetes are big. But when you see people that have type 1, they are relatively younger individuals and they are not big. So you cannot just assume, oh, somebody that have diabetes have to be big. No, it doesn't necessarily have to be that. Type 1 diabetes generally has to do with a genetic uh, predisposition. Basically, this is based on genetics. And in some cases, it can be due to geographical location as well. So well, the next one we look into is the type 2 diabetes. Most of the time when individuals are overweight, basically we have excessive fat or excessive sugar are deposits in the body when uh, these sugars are not excessively converted into fat and it's accumulating in the bloodstream, then we have type 2 diabetes mellitus. These are most times are based on food and sometimes it could be genetically predisposed to. Basically, what that means is that some individuals, their genes get, uh, makes them susceptible to, to have a type 2 diabetes. Another type of diabetes that we will look at is called gestational diabetes. 
In gestational diabetes, like you share gestation, it means pregnancy. This is a type of diabetes that develops during pregnancy. So a lot of the time when the woman gave birth to the baby, the diabetes resolve itself. But sometimes some of the women, are the, the diabetes sometimes is not resolved after delivery of the baby. So that can also occur. What are the risk factors when we talk about diabetes? The risk factor in age, basically women over 25, we are pretty predisposed to have diabetes sometimes. Does that mean it's everybody? Of course not. It's not everybody. And weight is also a contributing factor. And when we say weight, when we have a body mass index, BMI greater than 25, then we are getting to the level of overweight. That is when we need to start being careful. And like I said, just like in type 1 diabetes, in type 2 diabetes, there can be family history. That means there could be genetic predisposition to that as well. People that have had a given back to babies that are big they can be predisposed to or have type 2 diabetes and also for women that have had a stillbirth there is also also the tendency to be predisposed to diabetes in those individuals other risk factors that could lead to type 2 diabetes include lack of exercise, high cholesterol level, especially the, the bad guy, the low-density lipoprotein, LDL. High LDL level is a bad guy when we talk about high cholesterol. Then there's also a condition called polycystic ovary syndrome. In this kind of syndrome, uh, there is a history of irregular menstrual period in women and also there is the tendency for obesity, excessive hair growth. These are the risk factors that predispose uh, some women to polycystic ovary uh, syndrome. So next we will go be looking into the complication that can result from having diabetes. What are the complications? The first one we will be talking about is the heart disease. Some people will be like, how does uh, we go from having a diabetes to us having a cardiovascular disease or heart disease? Basically, when we have excessive sugar in our body, in the bloodstream, this sugar can, as it's flowing through the bloodstream, they tends to clog the little arteries and veins. When they block the arteries and veins, then the blood is not able to flow effectively to the parts of the body that needs it, like say the heart or even our lungs. So when the blood is not able to flow because the uh, sugar, the glucose is blocking the vessels, this can result in a blockage to which if not quickly taken care of can result in heart attack or strokes. Another part uh, that we'll look at when it comes to diabetes is the neuropathic pain. How does that work? In neuropathic pain, basically this sugar that we have circulating in the body, when the vessels are not effectively able to carry blood to the part of the body that needs it, the nerves surrounding these blood vessels can get damaged. And when the nerves are damaged, it results in pain. This nerve pains are what we call uh, neuropathic pain. So basically, when we see that situation, the neuropathic pain we start feeling is kind of a tingling, burning sensation. The other complication that can result from uh, 
diabetes is called nephropathy. And what is nephron? The nephrons are the little, little vessels found in the kidney. Like I said, the kidney, that's where waste are excreted. That's uh, where we are. Uh, all the waste product in our body is filtered through the kidney. So this sugar, the glucose in form of sugar that goes into the kidney, it, because the sugars are a little bit bigger, so they tend to block the uh, the vessels and just like in our bloodstream, they tend to block the vessels of the of the kidney, the nephrons. So when these vessels are blocked, then the kidney is not able to successfully filter or take out the waste products that we needed taking out of our body. And this could eventually result in uh, in kidney damage. Other than that, the other complication that we can get from uh, excessive sugar diabetes in the body is called retinopathy. When you talk about, I know you guys will be like, okay, doctor, oh, slow down, <laughs> slow down here. Yeah, slow down. What are all these big terms? Basically, I'm going to explaining retinopathy when you talk about retina you're talking about your eye and in the eye, there are blood vessels, little tiny veins and arteries that carry blood to your eye. That's why we are able to see. So when we have retinopathy, that means the vessels that is carrying blood to the eye, those are blood Why? I mean, that would make sense from what I have previously explained. When this glucose in form of tiny, tiny crystals of sugar aggregates in the vessel, tiny vessels and tiny veins surrounding the blood uh, in the eyes, the blood, the vessels are not able to effectively carry blood to the eye. So this can eventually result in blindness if it's not taken care of. Other complication that we tend to see in diabetes patients are the amputation of the lower extremities. Because there's so much excessive sugar in the body, it, this gives the bugs, like the, the bacteria, the, the fungus, it gives them like it's like a, a culture for them to come and, and take. They basically come and live in there. So when we have so much sugar, it's just like you put sugar on your table, bugs start coming in. And this causes the body to have excessive infection. So for people that have diabetes, they, they are very susceptible to infection. And when it, when it comes to lower extremities, like I talk about in the neuropathic pain, because some people that have diabetes, they are not able to feel in their, especially in their lower extremities. When I talk about lower extremities, I'm just talking about your leg, especially the lower legs, the arms, but most the fingers, the toes, but mostly the legs and the fingers. They are not able to feel because the nerves surrounding those lower part of the body is being damaged by the excessive sugar that is being aggregated in the nerves over there. So average individual might not be able to feel when the nerves is damaged. So when you are not able to feel, say you are going to the kitchen and there's a nail and you step on a nail and you don't even know. Coupled with the fact that there is excessive sugar in the body that is causing infection, there could be speedy, fast infection to that part of your body that you step on the nail. And for people that have diabetes, if it, that is not quickly taken care of because they cannot feel the pain, 
the infection can spread and it can result in their lower extremities being amputated. So most times when you go to the doctor, the doctor will tell you if you have diabetes to make sure you do your, your lower extremities hygiene. You will have to check to make sure there's no cut. Then you will wear, some people wear diabetes stockings to help with blood circulation into that part of the body. That is a major, major uh, complication. So we tend to watch out for that. Another complication that we can see is uh, because it's, the sugar in the body is being converted to fat and it's being stored. So excessive sugar converted to fat can result in high cholesterol. And even the high cholesterol has been implicated that people that have high cholesterol, the uh, studies have shown that there's an increase in the rate of Alzheimer's and it can also increase depression, not just infection rate. So other than that, how can we uh, manage diabetes? The first uh, ways we can need to manage, normally when we have any condition going on, any ailment, we don't want to just jump into medication, pharmaceuticals. We want to first of all do non-pharmacological therapy. So what are the non-pharmacological therapy that we can use when we are talking about diabetes? Pharmacological therapy will be diet. First of all, we have to get high fiber, low calorie diet. And when it comes to diet, we have to talk to our health care provider, our nutritionist, and work with them to see. Because other people, some people might have uh, comorbidities, basically some other diseases or other conditions going on. So we want to consult a nutritionist to give us the ideal diet that will be good for us. But overall, the general consensus is to use high fiber diet, like rich in uh, green leafy vegetables. That's what we want to look at. The other ways that we can also manage is uh, exercise. It's recommended that average person should at least exercise like 30 minutes a day. If one is not like about 150 minutes a week, if one is not able to uh, exercise on a daily basis, you can just say, okay, I'm going to try to do it maybe weekend, maybe three times a week. But the bottom line is that we want to try to get up to like 150 minutes per week of uh, medium impact exercise like swimming and walking fast fast-paced walking those are some of the ways people have uh, used and other than that for some people if diet and exercise does not work then we bring in pharmacological therapy when i talk about pharmacological therapy, I'm basically talking about medication. So what are the medications that we use when we are dealing with diabetes? The first main line of, uh, first line of therapy is metformin. Metformin is what your provider will recommend as a first line. Generally, it's effective because it enhances insulin sensitivity. For some people, they are not, even though they are body, in the case of type 1 diabetes, most of the time, the patient, the individual is not able to synthesize their own insulin because there is a damage to the pancreas, to the to that part of the body, the pancreas that is synthesizing insulin. So the beta cells of the pancreas is what is affected in type 1. But in, uh, in type 2 diabetes, the body can produce their own insulin, but sometimes the body is not able to sense there is uh, insensitivity to insulin. So what metformin does is it enhances 
it helps the body to be sensitive to its own insulin. And we also have uh, other products like uh, we call them glucagon-like protein. The glucagon, if you have uh, excessive sugar, you can give glucagon to help. So the glucagon-like uh, protein, those are the the products are the Bayeda, the isinatide, uh, the Victoza, and the glypicide. The glypicide are also common commonly used. But some of these products, there are a lot of side effects that comes with it. Some you can have a uh, GI gastrointestinal side effect. For some other products like the pyoglitazones, those ones can also have cardiovascular disease. It's been uh, associated with those pyoglitazones, the sulfonylurea, all those type of products. So when you're looking at the situation, you're looking at, okay, already diabetes can result in cardiovascular disease. So if you are taking other medication that have the tendency to also cause cardiovascular disease, that can be a problem. Problematic. Finally, when you talk about pharmaceutical therapy, pharmaceutical therapy is not complete without insulin. So after we have tried oral medication or the injectable injection like the Bayerda, and they are not working, then you bring in insulin. Insulin, like I said, produced in the body, but we have it in the short-acting form, like the homolog, the novolog. Then we have the long-acting insulin, like the levomere and the lantus. So these are some of the pharmaceutical therapy that is used. So after we have tried all the pharmaceutical therapy and we are not uh, effective, how can cannabinoid help in the management of diabetes? In our previous episode, we talked about the endocannabinoid system. How is like the robocop of our body is maintain balance, homeostasis. That's what our endocannabinoid system does. But in the case of diabetes, when you are taking in, in a lot of sugar and it's not being converted enough, the endocannabinoid system might be dysregulated, basically can be overwhelmed. In this situation whereby uh, endocannabinoid cannabinoid system is not able to maintain that intake and outgo in and out uh, balance that could result in what we call dysregulation of this system. So basically in that situation, the endocannabinoid uh, loss is uh, its ability to, to regulate the body. And if that is not taken care of, it can result in diabetes uh, going worse. So how does the cannabinoid help? Basically, THC has been shown, most people, anecdotal evidence, people that take tea, cannabinoid say THC helps them to eat, it, it helps them, it even use dronabinol, marinol in HIV AIDS to help with weight loss due to HIV AIDS. So THC-based cannabinoids generally have been shown to help increase the uh, appetite. So when we have and that, uh, THC is always bind to the CB1 receptor, which CB1 receptor with the THC and the whole endocannabinoid system. So if you have your endocannabinoid system, it's not working, though and you take your THC and there is no way to control or to convert the, the food that you are taking into fat, this can be very problematic. Studies have shown that when they gave experimental rats uh, C 
TB1 receptor antagonist. Antagonist, basically what it does is block uh, the, the CB1. The CB1 is where the THC binds to, which will help you to eat. So when you block that receptor, experimental rats was shown to eat less. They didn't just eat less. They also store less fat. So basically, when CB1 receptor antagonist analog was used in an experimental rat, they found out that the rat did not eat as much. It's not that it didn't eat as much. It also stored less fat. So basically, that is one aspect that we can use in the development of uh, pharmaceuticals, basically to develop a CB1 receptor antagonist. But also in the same experiment, they find out that yes, the uh, the, the experimental mice was able to eat less, but at the same time, these mice started showing signs and symptoms of uh, depression. So basically, this antagonist is yes, it's making the is helping uh, the 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 subject to lose weight by not eating as much. But other than it's not just doing that; it's also uh, preventing the joy is taking away the joy from this experimental rat so basically what's going on is that and it, that would make sense because part of why people use cannabinoid like a thc is that it makes the euphoria it helps you it makes you excited it makes you happy so when you block that receptor that is making you happy other things are gonna be affected so it, uh, more studies definitely needs to be done along the line of a CB1 receptor antagonist to see how maybe we might need to choose the type of people that will be able to use those kind of products if it's ever developed. Maybe people that have psychiatric comorbidities might not have to use it or to find other ways to make it work. But the bottom line is that, yeah, we want to lose our weight, but at the same time, we have to be happy. We, We cannot be either or. So more studies needed to be done in the areas of uh, CB1 receptor antagonists. When it comes to uh, agents like CBD, CBD was shown in the in the clinical studies to reduce the incidence of diabetes in experimental mice, while the untreated mice were found to develop diabetes uh, in significant number. Also, uh, genetically modified uh, obese mice was also shown to have less complications such as a diabetic retinopathy and uh, neuropathy when given CBD in clinical trials. Other than that, the other product, other agent cannabinoid that was looking into is the THCV, tetrahydrocannabivirin. Tetrahydrocannabivirin was shown to reduce glucose intolerance. Like I said, some people, they are not able to tolerate glucose. So THCV has been shown to reduce uh, glucose intolerance in clinical trial. THCV was also shown to improve glucose tolerance. It improved glucose tolerance and reduced intolerance. It's like it's kind of like uh, counterintuitive, but it improved the glucose tolerance. So basically, you are able to take it in and convert it into a storageable fat. 
then it, it reduces intolerance to it. So basically doing the same thing. And THCV was also fine to improve liver triglyceride level. It improved liver triglyceride level. Basically, you have the good cholesterol like HDA, high density lipoprotein. Your high density lipoprotein, that's your good cholesterol. The bad guy is the low density lipoprotein, the LDL. So that is the bad guy. The LDL always know your bad guy is your LDL. Your good guy is your HDL, high density lipoprotein. Also, THCV is said to have a potential to help in the management of metabolic syndrome and metabolic syndrome, syndromes like obesity and also diabetes, type 2 diabetes. So apart from the THCV, what other ways has cannabinoid been shown to have the potential to help with diabetes? Studies shows that, that THCV significantly reduced fasting blood glucose in type 2 diabetes subject. And also, most of the studies we have seen, they are basically from word of mouth. Some of them, we are improving in studies when it comes to cannabinoid uh, therapy, but a lot of what we are able to work with call still anecdotal, like word of mouth. So many cannabinoid users are said to have lower incidence of type 2 diabetes compared to non-user. Then clinical trials shows that cannabis users, they are more likely to have a lower BMI, body mass in compared to non-user. Okay, it's also been shown that cannabis users have been shown to be less likely to suffer from obesity due to lower risk of metabolic syndrome. And that will make sense because obesity is one of the metabolic syndrome that we see. So basically, a lot of clinical trials still needs to be done, especially in the areas of uh, CB1 receptor antagonists, looks more into CBD and insulin sensitivity and especially we really don't need to dig deeper into THCV tetrahydrocannabivirine and see how we can harness the potentials of this cannabinoid in the management of metabolic syndrome not just for diabetes but also for syndromes such as uh, obesity and Apart from that, more studies definitely needs to be done in the areas of uh, CB1 receptor antagonists. Yeah, we want to lose the weight. We want to be healthy. But at the same time, we want to be happy. So there's going to be a medium somewhere there. And finally, for people, just like we go to over the counter when we have vitamin, I tend to talk about this a lot, especially as we grow older, we supplement our food, our diet with vitamins because it's not like we don't get enough vitamins or minerals from our food, but as we grow older, we might not get enough. So what do we do? We go and buy multivitamins over the counter. So I feel like eventually we should be able to supplement endocannabinoid system. If we have this system in our body that is not functioning well, probably as a result of aging or whatever the situation might be, we're probably going to get to a place eventually uh, where we will be able to uh, have supplement that will help whatever dysregulation is going on with our endocannabinoid system. Anyway, that's 
that's our show for today i am so glad you guys hang around till the end thank you so much for your support i am just not able to do this without you for those of you that are yet to follow me on social, I'm super active on LinkedIn and my link uh, hand- handle in on LinkedIn is Dr. Lola O Ohamba O H O M B A. That's my handles on LinkedIn. Follow me on LinkedIn and on 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 Twitter. I'm WCI Health on Twitter at WCI Health. And on IG Instagram, you can find me at WCI Health 19 on IG. Come, let's let's have fun. Follow me on this social. And for those of you that would love to support our show, please join our Patreon group. The information you need is on our website, wci-health.com. That is uh, wci-health.com. And also for those of you that are yet to pick up my book. Like I said, this is a really basic book that you can have in your purse. You can have in your glove compartment. It's uh, a pharmacist guide to cannabis perspectives of a non-conforming clinician available on Amazon. It's also available on wci-health.com. And also you can find it under Glow's Beauty Shop, Glow's Beauty Shop on Etsy. Thank you guys so much. Until next time, please remember health equals well. Bye guys. Have a wonderful week. Thank you. Please subscribe on Apple Podcasts or any podcast platform. Support the show by becoming a patron and donating on our Patreon page or on our website. For more information, visit our website at www.wci-health.com. Until next time, health equals...